Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. The problem is, you know, like when you're, when you're earning, earning money and that sort of thing, you don't get a lot of people who will disagree with you. You get a lot of yes people around and you. And hangers on. And then Zabalata came, but he was more like playing centre mid and filling up a uh, left back. But then they started playing right back and I'm like, yo, this is my business. <laughs> <laughs> what messed me up was, I believe my own hype. And I should have over four, four, five hundred games for, for, for Man City as well. So I massively underachieved. Don't care what anyone said. You might look at it, oh, you, you know, you might play over three hundred games in your career, and, and you won the Premier League. Yeah, I did, but I massively underachieved. And Sheerwood should have never been sacked. Brought in Remy Gard, and that was the worst ever decision that Aston Villa could have made at the time because, like him and his staff, training was 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 awful. Everything went downhill. <laughs> The most I would say to anyone like who wants to play football, you have to you have to enjoy it and you've got to make them mistakes so then you can learn. You know what I mean? Not not some of the daft ones Mm. I was making, you know. Uh, back in back in my days, but because like, got to learn from my experiences. But certain things in your life that you've all been through something, you you sort of you have to make that mistake to actually I can go this way now. You know what I mean? That's just the way uh, life is. But yeah, you got you got to enjoy life as well, man. What so, Michael? Yeah, but Mikey, you know during those times. No, go on, go on, go on. I'll go after. You know during those times. Then you have like maybe an entourage around you, like friends that say, Mike, you know what, you need to pipe down or uncles or your parents. Or were you just in so that bubble? I um, moved, so my family was still in Leeds, so I moved to Manchester when I was like 14, but then like 16 properly. So I was in Diggs, you know, in Diggs, like when I look after you. And then I bought my first house when I was 17, just going 18. 
So I was living with my bigger brother at the time. So my, my, my mom and dad, so you remember, you, you don't tell your mom and dad really nothing, you know? You know, like, you, when you go back to your mom and dad, you, you know, you, you know, you've got the respect, you know what I mean? But when they, when they don't know, they don't know what really what's going on, you know what I mean? They, they, they know what's going on, but they don't really know what's going on, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I was living with my big brother and the problem is, you know, like when you're, when you're earning, earning money and that sort of thing, you don't get a lot of people who will disagree with you. You get a lot of yes people around and you. And hangers on, hangers and, on. And hangers on, you know what I mean? So it's like, I didn't really have any, like my brother, my old brother would tell me, what are you doing, like chill out, you know, a little bit coarse, you know, like all the brother would do, but you get a lot of people attracted to you who, who don't say anything bad to you, you know what I mean? They're just around. They want their the lifestyle. Good, the, yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Mm. That's what it is, the lifestyle. They're not gonna they're not gonna go against you. So a lot of the time I was just living in in denial, you know what I mean? Um and just li- living in that moment. And it's only when you get a little bit older when you realize like, what what are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, you can enjoy it, but like I had I had a friend who like I did so much for, like uh, you know, I, I, we had a business together, put his, you know invested money in, into a business, helped him out and whatnot. Come to find out then he's going behind my back trying to deal with the person who I put him onto, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, so it's, like I'm, now me, I'm just, I only really, it's sad as it seems, I'm always, I'm always alone. I've got like, I've got a, a son and whatnot. Um, but I, I don't really, I don't really chill with people. I, I become like, not paranoid, but I just keep everyone at arm's length now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's just because it's just like everyone's intentions. Like they've always seemed like they've got some sort of motive with them. You know what I mean? Mm. At the end, they're like, "Call me paranoid, call me what?" But like, this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. Mm. This is honestly, bar none. All them great times playing football, amazing. But like now, I just feel like this is the happiest I've ever been. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I'm in control of, of my life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If I if I don't do well in 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 the in the punditry or me, that's down on me. You know what I mean? Mm. That's down to me. Whereas sometimes with my injuries and whatnot, I, I like I couldn't affect that, but I can affect mm. this now. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's the the mindset I have going forward. But yeah, I just I'm just enjoying the ride, man. I really am. I think just very quickly, Michael, going back to the lifestyle thing that I said earlier. Do you think mm-hmm. that's the difference between a player staying at the top for 10 years versus a player, um, you know, staying at the top for two, three years? For example, if we go to Tottenham, you see a player like Harry Kane that's been one of the best strikers in the world for the past seven, eight years. And we saw Deli Ali, for example, burst onto the scene, mm-hmm. you know, perform to a world-class standard. And all of a sudden, the performance level has just dwindled massively. So do you think it could potentially be something to do with Delhi's application that's changed or sometimes players just go through bad spells? Yeah, I, I think in in the media, for as much negativity there can be, sometimes we get too much hype as well. Mm. So Delhi was doing madness. Like all them goals he scored, he was doing like madness. That one against Paddy's. When he kicked over them, like... People like he probably won't have a season like that again, and he's gonna be crucified for that because that was just that was unbelievable. Only like 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 we're talking about Yaya Torre, Lampard, all that 
the, the only Damon boys can have them mm. them season, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and at that period, they were comparing these numbers to like Gerard Lampard, mm. you know. I remember oh, that yeah. stage, mm. yeah. That's what I mean. And when he comparing to, to them greats there, it's always going to be a slippery slope from, from that. If he would have been doing that over five years, then they could have compared. So the, the sort of built him up to, to shoot him down. Of course, you got to get hyped when you get them sort of numbers. But Deli Ali, I still think Deli Ali is incredible. I think he got injuries at the wrong times. And the manager, it's all about luck in this game as well. If you've got a manager who believes in you, like Mancini believed in me, if you've got a manager who believes in you, then is, like, that can help you also. Like, we, we're assuming that Harry Kane lives a better life than Ali. That's just perception. But mm. we don't know that. We don't know that. You know what I mean? So when we talk about application and on those sort of things, like we, we, I, I'd be, I'd be, I can't judge on what he's doing outside of the field, but I would protect him just because of like that season that he had was going to be too hard to replicate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and no player like wants to to play bad and stuff like that. Yeah, we can all do, but it's people talk about his application could have been better, but. When you're not playing, it's, it's, it's hard, you know. Like, when you got people on, on social media, like, killing your vibe every week, saying, oh, it's this, it's that, it takes its toll. Like, could, could Deli Ali be doing things um, better for his career? We, we all can, you know what I mean? We all could be doing things, of course, you know what I mean? And you've got to ride it out while it can. But I think he's been hung out a little bit to dry by the way he's been treated. Um, and then when... And then he, himself, when it's come to it, he's not performed at the level we all know he can as well. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because that, it's feel like he's, his confidence has been locked, been knocked from that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Denny Ali, and I, I just believe that he had too much hype on him, on, on the time, and I just knew that this would happen to him because, like, it was too hard to to do that same season again. It was, it was, it was you know, but I still be, we all say Deli Ali's good though. Come on, he's, he's, a, he's a top course, player. Of course, yeah. 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 <laughs> he's, a, he's a top player. But you know, and I know, football waits for nobody. Do you know what I mean? It waits for no, look at, look at all the emerging talent. Now you've got Grealish, you've got Madison, <laughs> you know, you've got Mount, <laughs> you've got, Fo- you got Foden. Saka. <laughs> Saka, you know, yeah. even Smith Rowe now is getting thrown into that equation. Yeah. So, like, you you know, like, if you have a matter of two season or two, like, yeah. football, don't, football don't wait for anyone. And that yeah. and that's why, like, I rate people like Henson and Milner. They might not have the ability of some of them players that you mentioned, but consistency, yeah. they've got it in abundance, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the key. And that's the key of football, man. That's the key. 100%. Do you know what, Michael? I wanted to ask you, right? What the dynamic is like in training when you have two or three players all vying for the same position that all feel as though they are good enough to start? So, obviously, the dynamic is different if, you, you know, if you've got a, a player that is a nailed-on starter and then the other person in that position you know, accepts that they're a squad player. But when you've got three players, so in your case, for example, it was you, it was Zabaleta, it was uh, Neda Anoe, uh, right? 
all three of you guys are good enough to start and all of you would feel like you should. So how, how does it work in training, for example, if you guys all feel like you should be starting? Is it, is it still very much jovial and, you know, everyone's getting on? Or is there a bit of additional spite in certain challenges and, and a bit more aggression in certain areas? Like, how, what was it like for you managing that dynamic? Listen, it was peak, you know, because you know what it is? Because, like, we all say football is a team sport, but if there's a man in your position, then, like, you, you have to be amicable over them off the pitch, but really, like, you don't want them to do well. Yeah, and, and that's just keeping it real. Like, Nadem bust on the scene before me. We both played centre-back, and we both played right-back as well. And he was he was doing he was doing his thing. Like I only I only made my my debut because like Danny Mills and Nader Manua got got you know they, they got injured at the time. But then I was like I'm not giving the shirt up. I'm not giving the shirt up no matter what. And then Zabalata came, but he was more like playing centre mid and filling up at uh, left back. But then they started playing right back, and I'm like, yo, this is my this is my. <laughs> <laughs> Go over there because it was like at the time when he first come, like he was just like a seven out of ten. He was seven out of ten at everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Good on the ball, like quick enough, like tactically. You know, he was good at everything. Aggressive, but but aggressive. (laughs) But did 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 I think the the the, um sort of attributes he had and the attribute I he would dislodge me out of the team I would think not a chance you know what I mean mm. and that's like you got to back yourself but then what he did when I got injured just like mm. I took it off Nadem Zabaleta took it off me and held it and he was like you're not getting your position back so then like you're going to a table on a, on a Friday night before a game and you know he's playing in your in your position and you've You've got to be happy for, you know, because it's for you a team game. But really, deep down, you're angry, you're inside because you want to play, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's just keep that's just keeping it real, you know what I mean? It's like, you guys on a podcast now, you've not got your podcast, and like, but one of you has got to drop out. You're like, oh, hold on, I'm not dropping out. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dropping out of this, but you know, so... It, it, it is difficult. That's that's the, the bit I didn't like about football because although, like, it's individuals within a team, you know what I mean? And, like, I, I liked Nader Manua, but at the same time, he was my rival, but I really liked him. He was one of the nicest guys off the field, but you, you don't think that he's thinking, I need to do somewhat better than Micah, or Zabaleta's thinking, I need to do somewhat better than Micah as well. That's just, that's just the truth. A lot of players don't admit that, but it happens. No one's happy to sit on the bench and take up. You know, that's why I hear when, you know, people talking about, oh, he's happy just sat on his, on his bench, um, picking up his money. It's so demoralising, sitting on the bench, like, knowing that you should be playing. Like you said, if he was a squad player, it's fine. But when you believe you should be playing, it's, it's one of the worst feelings ever. It really is. The other week we spoke to Yannick Bellassi. He said, basically, he's been frozen out. You know, everything they ask him to do, he does it. How does that feel? Because... From the media, we only see one side. Oh, the players on the bench. As you mentioned, people are like, yeah, he's picking up his money. He should be happy. 60 grand a week or whatever. But what's the emotional toil? What, what things are you going through? You know, the, the whole Pellegrini uh, one was sort of like, 
misunderstood because the day before the start of the season, when he took over the manager, if you look, look at the, the clips after me and Navas was playing in the, in the tournament, they got him on AC Milan. We did a madness against AC Milan, like overlapping. It was just crazy. Like we had a, just had a, one of them games. You know where everything goes right. Mm-hmm. Me and Navas, Pellegrini, like pulled me before and said, "You're gonna start the season." The day before I was gonna start the season, in in trade, hand on my heart, I pulled my hamstring. Sabaleta starts, has the game of his life again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, in the media, it's like, well, Pellegrini wasn't ready. But actually, he was having me. But then Zabaleta came in the team and did so well. Then he actually made me want to sign a new contract. But you remember when it was like that? Like, you had to get so much English players for uh, for the quota. So uh, he started yeah, yeah. getting all, all these players and whatnot. So then Zabaleta was firmly number one at this point. So I felt like he was offering me the, the contract just to be number two, and that's when I decided to leave. So like, when you when you feel like you've got so much ability, but then someone doesn't rate you, mm. like you don't you don't know how to take it. You know what I mean? Especially for someone like like me, because I've played since I was seventeen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then for someone to say you're not good enough to play in the in, in my starting eleven, like at what would it be twenty? 24, 25 or whatnot, like, that's, it's hard to take, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. It, that, and that's the, the other side that people don't really see. But then you got to learn from it, you know what I mean? And uh, I was nothing but, com- you know, complimentary about Zambaleta because he deserved to be in that team because he he took his chance when he had it, you know what I mean? And I respected him from that. But, like, you know, Belassi, I played with him at, at Aston Villa as well. So what he's going through... At Everton now it's tough, you know what I mean? Mm. It is tough, and people think, Oh, he's on so much amount of week, he'll be all right. But I know deep down, you know, he'll be low, he'll be he'll be really low. You know what I mean? You can go the only thing at them times is go to your family, and that's why your family is so important because when anything happens, anything low time, the only people you can really count on is your family, you know what I mean? Definitely. So now, mm. like for his like his mindset and his headspace now, like him having a good family around him, you know, he'll, he'll be all right. And, Michael, how do you sum up your career? Because you're only 32. Yeah. Like, you're still looking tip-top shape. Like, still, <laughs> I'm still like, in the gym, bro. Make sure you're in the Still making sure that Trim's always on point. <laughs> How do you sum up your career? Because you retired so young. So do you feel like you could have done more or you're actually happy with your career? Uh, no, I I could have done way more in my career. I made my England debut at 18 and I only finished with 13 caps. Like I played like, I made my debut for Man City at 17 and only made only 250 appearances. What messed me up was... I believe my own hype at the start, at the start. I managed to change it round to my best in the season was ever was it when I was when I was playing for um the Premier when we won the Premier League. Like I got nominated for player of the year for Man City. That was my best season, hands down. People might look at my early seasons and think but that was more because of my age, but in terms of like numbers and affecting the game, when we won a league, that was that was uh, my best season. But then, by the time I come round to then and got my head like, I need to start, there was other players who was 
good as me or if not better than me. You know, I'd missed that a lot of time. And then soon as I was ready for that, injuries started happening. Mm-hmm. I had, I'd have had, what, five operations on my knee, you know what I mean? And it, it just held, it held me back massively. My form, like every time I come back from injury, I could never get my form to what it was, you know what I mean? And I was just playing, I was just playing, I was just playing within myself. I didn't, I didn't feel free. I, every time I, like, I got no meniscus, so it's bone on bone like cartilage. So like, like I went every time like I'm, wow. I run, basically my knee swells up, you know what I mean? And then every time it just got worse and worse and worse. And by the time like I was ready to show like, you know, I'm better tactically, you know, I got better technically, but it was too late, you know? And I should have took the, the opportunity early. All that had been there for me, I took a little bit for granted because I got, I was one of the best players in the team too early on. You know? And I didn't really have anyone to learn off because they was looking at me for advice when I wasn't, I had so much more, learning mm. to do i was sort of thrown in the deep end and then oh because i play for england now i'm the you know the finished article and i was nowhere near that i was nowhere near that i missed out on so much coaching so much everything because i just got thrown in too soon um and i should have done way more i should have had minimum 50 cats for england had my my mentality been a little bit better along with the injuries and I should have over four, four, five hundred games for, for, for Man City as well. So I massively underachieved. Don't care what anyone said. He might look at it, oh, you, you know, you might play over three hundred games in your career, and, and you won the Premier League. Yeah, I did, but I massively underachieved, and it hurts. It hurts me now that I won't even say application. I just could have been a little bit more savvy with it, you know, like being a little bit more like streetwise with it, knowing. If I knew what I knew now, I know we say hindsight's a wonderful thing, but if I knew what I knew now, back then, with, with a manager who believed in me and no injuries, I could have done way more. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to say it's a failure, but massive underachievement, massive. Yeah, Mike, man, that's good introspection, you know, the fact that you realise that. And I wanted to talk about your time at Aston Villa. Obviously, there's the yin and the yang, chaos and order. You're going from a changing room with, you know, winners, that winning mentality. Then you go to, you know, Aston Villa. Can you explain to us, like, the differences in mentality and infrastructure at the club that you realise going from the winners and going to Aston Villa? Yeah, I, I think Aston Villa at the time, it was just more like the transition because they got rid of Delph, uh, got rid of Ron Vla and they got rid of Ben Teke. So that was their spine of their team. So if you take a spine out of a team, like, it was, it's always going to be difficult to, to stay up. We had a lot of good signings, and a lot of signings were good signings, but just not ready to come in all at once. And because I was the experienced one, and I was the one supposed to be leading the team, but we had no, we had no time to play together. We didn't have no cohesion. We didn't have really... Anything, we just had a lot of talented players. And under Shearwood, we was playing some, some good football. But it soon turned. Shearwood should have never been sacked. Brought in Remigard. 
and that was the worst ever decision that Aston Villa could have made at the time because like him and his staff training was 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 awful. Everything went downhill, and then you know you see it on 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 the pitch. And my performances, I went from playing really well, some of the best football I played on the Tim Sherwood, to playing some of the worst football I played on the Remy Guard because we just didn't have no leadership. Like no one, there was a massive divide between the French players and the English players. And you could, you could just see it on the pitch. We didn't have anything. So to go from like that winning mentality every single mm. week to then people were just happy to, you know, do the bare minimum. Like I couldn't get my head around that. I was just scratching my head. And, I, but, and then you have to realise like that's the difference between why they're champions and, and why we got relegated. And I was, I, I was partly to blame for that because my form wasn't good, good enough in that season as well. Yeah, so what type of things go on in that changing room? Because I remember listening to a podcast with Rio Ferdinand and he was talking about the differences between Man United and QPR. When you're at Man United, no one ever mentions money. But when he was at QPR, they'd be like, yeah, I've got two years left in my 60K a week contract. I'm just going to sit out. Are those the sort of things that go on in the dressing room environment? Yeah, they're, they're going, they're going, yeah, it goes on a lot. Like, like, the money, the money shouts get, get thrown aloud a lot of the time. Like, at Man City, it's like, well, how can you throw money shouts to Aguero and Silver and company and all that? They're just, they're just going to laugh at you, you know what I mean? So, it never really was in the dressing room, but, like, I think it's more, more like a banter thing. I don't, I, I don't buy too much in it, but, Everything is like it's more competitive at that at, you know the, the the lower end Premier League team. It's like who's got which car? You know what I mean? Who, 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 who's got the biggest biggest ha- biggest house? Like Gabriel Bonglahar used to call him uh, HP highest paid. You know them ones. You know just any 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 time any any time uh, uh, like uh, like we we play kind of summer. Uh, it's all right though, because of HP. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, it, and it's just, it's just, it's just them ones. So it's more like a, it's more like a friendly banterish. Mm. But at the top, you don't really yeah. have that yeah. sort of, sort of, ba- sort of banter because you can't have that banter. What you gonna have? Oh, I'm on two hundred grand a week. Cause I'm two fifty. Just you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not. It's just you know, if you're earning that much money, you're earning money, aren't you? So mm. it doesn't, it doesn't hold the same, the same weight. But I think like. The lower you go down, people are trying to be something that they're not, and they think they're trying mm. to have to try prove something that they, mm. they don't have to. Whereas the top teams, their mentality is fully focused on the next game mm. and how they can be a better player. Um, and that, that's what I thought was, was, was the difference between, say, a City and an Aston Villa. But some of the nicest people, some of the nicest friends I speak to more uh, out of the, the Villa, like I still speak to Grealish, John McGinn, mm. Henry Lansbury, Gabriel Bonglahor, Alan Hutton. They're ones I speak to more because, like, we went in through the, the trenches together, you know, like, yeah. got relegated. <laughs> and, like, that's where you have to be together, you know what I mean? Mm. So, um, yeah, the, the, the changing room at Aston Villa was, was amazing. Nothing but, you know, jokes and, and, and good vibes. You know what, Michael? You've obviously spoken about um, the fact that when you arrived, you know, there were some key departures uh, in that season. And obviously, upon arrival, you were, you were, you were basically given, you were given the, the captain's armband. And so with all the things that you mentioned about there being a divide in the dressing room and whatnot, 
did you have any like concerns or doubts about taking on that responsibility? How was it managing that dynamic? You're a new player, you know, you don't have initially you don't have that relation that kind of relationship with some of the players in the dressing room because you, you're new right you, you you've not worked with them before so now being given the responsibility of being a captain like how how was that dynamic for you no that, that was easy I've, I've always been like a leader on the pitch i'm always banter off the pitch but as soon as i step over the white line i'm serious like sometimes too serious so taking over as captain i was probably the most experienced player apart from Gabi Agbonglaho in, in the Premier League. He probably played more than me. So it was going to be him or him or me. But because I always like to have your, your captains normally sort of from the backs because they can see the whole game, can drag people in, in positions and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel no pressure or, or no added responsibility. I just think it was a... The, the right thing to do because of my experience. If you've got a, mm. a Premier League winner coming to, coming to a side who, who are trying to stay in the Premier League, then it's just probably the obvious decision. So I don't feel no pressure. And I, I, like, I like to lead. And I think no matter what situation, whether I've got to be serious or joking, a lot of people would listen to me because of the way I approach it. I don't think I'm better than everyone. I don't you know, go with in an aggressive manner. I'd go, I'd pull them aside and speak to them properly, you know what I mean? And I think they're the um, sort of responsibilities a captain should have. And that's definitely what I did when I went into that dressing room. Obviously, that season culminated in relegation where it was just a mess and the team went down with a whimper. At the time, Stan Colomore, you know, he had a famous rant. And I asked Jolie and Lescott the same thing. Do you understand Stan Colomer's frustration because you're a pundit and you need to give an opinion? You need to, you know, say stuff. You need to be vocal. Do you understand his point of view? Or as a player, did that sort of epic rant just baffle you at the time? No, I, I, I understood it. I understood it at the time. Um because he's big, big Villa, you know what I mean? He supports them. So I told him, but the only, the only thing I didn't like about Stan Collymore, he made it personal. You know what I mean? He made it, he made it personal. So like, if he would have seen me at the Villa training ground or somewhere and had that run at me to my face and we would have sat down like men and whatnot, I would have accepted it because one, I don't think he would have ran in a rave like that to me anyway. And two, yeah, and, and, and two, like, it, it, I don't think it's fair to go on radio and just start blast Like, yeah. talk about football, talk, you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't talk about personal lives. Um, but the, the problem with Stan, like, he, he's so knowledgeable about, about the game. Some of his tweets and stuff, like, I really like, he actually knows a lot about football. Then he, he spoiled himself by going on these rants when... <laughs> He doesn't really need to go on them rants, which I don't un understand. Like, if he had my number and he wanted to actually really wanted to voice his opinion, he could have just rang me or, you know, we, we, we text on, on Twitter sometimes, you know what I mean, before, you know, in, in, like, in the inbox. So if he really wanted to vent his frustration, he could have just spoke to me. So, like, it's like anything, like, a lot of the times now, the media that clickbait in it is yeah. like saying something for, for, for a reaction yeah. and all that thing about if you truly believe that just ring me up you know what I mean and tell mm. me a point you don't need to tell it to the to the whole world to then 
for them perception to be bad about me. And after that rant and whatnot, I was I was going to training. I used to get trained down afterward. I was going to training one of the times. And like, I was in a black cab, but I had my hood on and I had my, uh, I had a hat on. So we was talking and all that and tapped me, oh, I wish I could see that Michael Richards spoiling our club. If I seen him, I'd give him a right good slap. So this is a taxi driver, but he doesn't wow. know. It's me in wow. the back. Oh, crazy, crazy, crazy. That's so awkward. So, so I'm like, so I'm like, what do I do here? So I'm thinking about, do I go back to the micro of Chapel Town, you know, the youngster <laughs> The rough and ready one, the rough and ready one. <laughs> or or, or do, I just, do I just pretend like I didn't hear and pretend it's not me? So it, the point I'm trying to make is that he calls that with, you know, people can, if people can call you a bad football, of course, but it's what he was causing around the, like the town for us as well, where people was generally t- turning on us, talking about someone's going to slap me in my face. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, when people, and because and he's, he's loved by the Aston Villa fans, like when he says that sort of thing, it's like people just automatically believe exactly what he said and take mm. the gospel. You know what I mean? So I feel like because. I respected him as a player and whatnot at Villa. I, I feel like he could have dealt with that situation a lot better because he knows how much pull uh, and how much fans he has at that club. So when he started going on his run, I thought... If you're listening, Michael, if you're listening, Jolien, give us a call. I remember that. I was driving around. I was like, right, this is... He's calling him out. He's not pulling no punches. That was direct. And that way, yeah, that's what I mean. And uh, you know, I was I was so close to wanting to ring as well. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was so close to wanting to ring because, but you have to take the loss because you're not playing well. You know what mm. I mean? You just have to take it. You know what I mean? You just have to take it, which is which is difficult. Um, so, like I said, I understood why he was so angry. I just think he could have channeled it in a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Micah, you know, we've spoken about your career on the pitch, you know, punditry, obviously you're doing big things there. I want to talk about off the pitch. You know, like I know it's well known that you're into your properties and stuff like that. So, like, what sort of interests, apart from the game, do you like getting involved in? Yeah, I do. I've been doing property. When I talk about, you know, young life when I was buying cars and all that, at the same time, I was buying properties still, so... Uh, I've got various properties that I rent out. I started building houses as well. And just, but it's come to a crossroad where both are taking up so much time. Mm. I've got to park one. And obviously I'm not going to park the the punditry for now. Um, And then I can always do, I can always do the the property stuff in the background. But because like I've been doing it for so long, it needs full detail and attention to it because you know when you're doing something you can't do everything at once and i've made that mistakes where i've left other people to look after certain things and it's not been run the way i want to run it so um yeah i was being invested in property from 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 day from 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 years ago because i didn't i was always scared of going back to and it's not about going back to, to poverty or anything like that but just not messing up the mistake you know like the chance that i've been giving up to, to, to mm-hmm. me you know how many times people have been given a chance and then you just mess it up? Mm. Like, I, I wasn't about to... Although I didn't reach my goal in terms of where I wanted to be in my career-wise, I made sure 
like off the field, I would be able to live the life I wanted to live, regardless, you know, what would happen in football or not. And, you know, I did that, you know, doing the punditry stuff now is just a bonus. I'm doing something that I love, you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm grateful for my opportunity again. 100%, man. Do you know what, um, Mark, I wanted to ask, right? Let's, let's rewind back. I know we, we were talking about here <laughs> and, and so on and so forth. But I want to rewind back maybe 13 years ago. I think I know what you're going to say. I think you were, what, 18, 19? I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. I don't know what you're going to say. eyed yeah? <laughs> you made a, a very familiar <laughs> appearance okay, in a music video. Yeah, Do you know yeah, why this was yeah. so big, right? Bam, that, that song. That song was... It was everywhere. And you know, back at that time, we were going to house parties and stuff. That was the tune. Getting played in house party. Yeah. Obviously, I'm talking about T2 featuring Joe um, Broken, right? So yeah, yeah. That was like a bit... And so when you were in that video, it's like, wow, this is like... This is bad. Them on a different level, right? So how did that come about? Like, I know, obviously, T, I think T2's from your neck of the woods, right? Leeds and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, so were you always involved in music? And also, back at that time, everyone was listening to social and so on and so forth. Everyone thought there was a rapper or an MC. So back then, were you involved in music? Did you maybe on the side I could do a little... <laughs> 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 listen, Nah, T T two was from uh, from Leeds, isn't it? And he just said like, you know, like you got all them guys who wanna be like, ah, it's oh, you listen to this, you listen. But T two has always been. He used to make beats from time ago, so he's always been like creative with it. And he said, I'm making a video. I know you're doing your thing in football, but we need a little bit of hype for the video because this time I was playing for England or whatnot. So I said, all you need to do is just pretend like you're driving a car. So I'm like, there's no chance I'm doing that. Not a chance, you mad. But then eventually. <laughs> Eventually, he taught me round. I listened to the song first, and I was like, yo, this is a banger, you know? So I'm like, yo, get, get me in this video, like, get me in this video. But yeah, he was, uh, T2, he's a, he's, a, he's a cool, he's a cool guy. I'm, I'm sort of uh, disappointed he didn't, he didn't do more with his career as well, because he's mad, mad creative guy as well. And um, yeah, back in the day, it was just sidewinded as well. I don't know, how, how old are you guys? So I don't know what, yeah, late 20s, 27, 28. Yeah. This is the first time we've mentioned it on the pod, so. Mark, you're doing us dirty, bro. You're doing us dirty, bro. Mark and Rich is exclusive, you know. So, Garage, yeah, Garage back in the day. Garage was a one. That was a thing, yeah. That was a thing. And then he come with his little bass line, whatnot. And he just, he just, he just blew up, you know what I mean? But Garage, Garage was my thing growing up. That's what I listened to. Mm -hmm. Riley and all them boys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, man. Come on. The streets won't forget, but no. Obviously, Michael, just to end up this interview, we just want to ask you a few quick fire questions and then yeah. we'll let you go. It's been a pleasure. So my mm -hmm. question is, Outside of Manchester City, because I know you've got your bias towards Kevin De Bruyne, who is the best player in the Premier League?
you know what? Up, up until yesterday, I would have I would have said Fernandez, but he he doesn't do nothing in the big game. <laughs> 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 Michael, Michael, I need to tell you, big up for the halftime analysis. Big up, big up. <laughs> no, okay, let me go. Let me. Uh, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne is number one. I'm gonna go Mane. I'm gonna go. I know he's not in a, in a, in a different format anymore. I'm gonna go Mane number two. Mane number two. Yeah. Yeah, Michael. So another question is. For any youngster, you know, aspiring to be a footballer, if there was one piece of advice you would give them, what would it be? I would, a lot of people say work hard, but I say enjoy because we all, when, when you're a young, 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 like, player or young person, like, you, you enjoy football anyway, do you know what I mean? Mm. So just work, work, like, just enjoy it. Like, the, people are taking the enjoyment away. And that's what I don't like. Like, remember the days when we all played football when we were young? You just enjoyment. They were the best days of your life. When mm. someone starts saying, oh, this is serious, this is serious, that, mm. that's the problem. When you're that young player aspiring, just enjoy your football. That's, that's the, the, the best piece of advice I can give to you. I've got one as well, Micah. So my question is, it's a two-part question, 1A, 1B. 1A, what is the most played song on your playlist right now? 1B, if you're going out to a function, let's say it's not COVID times and, and <laughs> restaurants and, and uh, like everywhere is opened up, what is your preferred um, trainer of choice if you're going to a function? If it, what tra what, what's my trainer of choice? Oh, trainer, yeah. like, like, oh, crap, crap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Savage at the moment, you know, he's a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. 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 He's a Okay. Big mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Because I, cause I, I watched, I watched uh, the documentary yeah. on him. Oh, yeah. So I watched the documentary and I was like, yeah, I like this right. guy. So I've just been drilling it. So that's the most at this moment. I think Giggs is my number one. If, if we talk about Giggs and Giggs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where from yeah. that neck of the woods yeah. as well? Where from that neck? South London. Yeah, <laughs> Giggs, Giggs, Kano. Dave for me the best right I just I just love them. That's just my preferred yeah. choice. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Digger D has got the most and what trips mm. I've got to say Puma because I'm sponsored by Puma. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 making those mistakes, man. Not making those mistakes. I think we'll all do one more and then we'll let you go. So my final cool. one is what is the toughest element of being a professional footballer? This element is be the you know the, the mental side, being able to take a knockback and then go again. You know what I mean? Because we've all got ability. We can't play football, can't mm. we? Actually, some some sort of, but at one some stage, someone's gonna say you're not good enough. Talk about all the great players. They've always had that that setback. And then it's that mental capacity to say, you know what, I need to go again and prove them wrong. So I think that's the hardest because 
How many how many bowlers do you know when he was younger that was amazing? You think, oh, they're definitely going to make it. They're mm-hmm. definitely going to make it. But then the mental side of it, you can have all the belly. You know, if you've not got the mental side, then yeah, that's the the, the ability is only half half the battle. Yeah, last one from me. Whew. Outside of football, or re- since retiring from football, what's been like the biggest challenge? Retiring from football, the biggest challenge, I think, is just not being able to do something that I loved. Like, this is the second best being able to talk about football, but not being able to play. That's been the biggest challenge, like, not playing football. Imagine you play football every day if you like, mm. and then it just stops. Like, it's just crazy. So, I'd say that's been the, the biggest challenge. But I'm enjoying this challenge, so I, I played it onto a, into a positive. 100%. And we've got to, we can't let you go without asking you this one, Micah. In your career, who has been the most difficult winger or, or striker that you've played against? Who, who absolutely tore you to... <laughs> Gareth, Gareth Bale absolutely mm. tore me to shreds. <laughs> no, but he rates you though. He's like, yeah, you're the biggest opponent that he's faced. If, so he rates you. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for Joe Hart that day, oh my, well, yeah, he did a Macon to me. But you know when like he scored the goals against Macon. Remember? Yeah, yeah, Taxi for Macon. I remember the day. He did that to me, but luckily he didn't score after it. Otherwise, I'd have been a. A meme right now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 oh, what's the a final hey. one from me is uh, Mo Salah. Obviously, we've seen him turn into like you know a world class winger. Obviously, you spent some time with him at Fiorentina. Back then, did you see that cold, hard, relentless mentality that he's got I've right seen, now? Because I, when he came to Chelsea, it. people are probably like, maybe this guy's a bit fallible or he lacked that self belief. But at Fiorentina. Did you think, you know what, this guy's got the mindset to get to the top? I, I, straight away, mindset, training, better than everyone that's in training, but doing stuff afterwards. Don't forget, he, he came from Basel, didn't he, to go to Chelsea? Yeah, yeah. And he was unbelievable there. Like, he didn't, like, he don't just become a bad player. He just didn't fit into Chelsea's system at the time. When, and you don't lose your ability, his mindset mm. was still there. Just had to show everyone that he could do. We talk about the, the, the setbacks, had that one setback, okay, Chelsea don't want me. Go to Fiorentina, go to Roma, and back to Liverpool, win a league. Took a long way around. But and the there. Champions League. <laughs> exactly, you know what I mean? No, my car, it's been a pleasure, man. Cool, man. Uh, this was, uh, this was oh. epic, man. Everyone's going to love this, man. Yeah. Big up yeah. for coming on. Big up every no single time, man. Honestly, we appreciate no it. Keep, keep doing your things, honestly. No, I've been watching you guys. I've been no. watching you, man. Keep no, going. No, love, love. No, 100% Take care. man. All the best, man. Nice one. I've got radio now, so I'll check yeah, you yeah. in a bit, yeah? yeah. Love, love my Love my Love. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.